now we just kind of show up and wing it. Brace yourself for the number one rated daytime bootstrap sass honey badger theme podcast in the Pacific Northwest. This is Founder Quest. So today we have a special episode of Founder Quest. We have John Nunemaker with us and instead of Star, Star is taking a break today and Josh and I are going to be chatting with John and talking about the fun things that John is doing. John, I got to start off by saying that I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Like I've been following your work since the Harmony days, back at Ordered List. I guess that was, I don't know when that was, 2000 something? Seven, eight, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. uh, uh, I, I got introduced to you through the Rails community, being back in the early group. So I don't, I don't remember exact, how exactly we bumped into each, other back, into each other back then, but I remember Harmony was pretty cool and, and the other stuff you did with the Ordered List. Yeah, I was yeah, like likewise. newer. I was newer to the to the Rails world back then. So like both of you were like like Ruby celebrities to me. <laughs> so yeah, it's cool. It's cool to have you here. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I I feel the same way like about you guys, especially. I remember uh, was it Rails Kits? Like uh, yep. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember that. I remember a bunch of the stuff back in the day. And what I uh, like is it Sty or like website. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh yep. yeah. Yep. That stuff sticks out. So <laughs> nice. 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 Cool. Fan, fanboys all around. Awesome. <laughs> and you're a prolific open source author. We have in fact, two of your gems in our app right now. We have noons and we have HT party running in our, in our app. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love noons. Like just, I, I, and I love the description of it. It's like, this is the monitoring I would add to your app if I was working with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that I feel like stuff like that, uh, I get lucky and like it sticks. Uh, but it's just like this moment where I'm like, oh, I got to come up with some kind of a description. I really don't want to do this. What should I put? And then it's like, this is what I would do. I would do this if I were you. Like, so I'm just going to put that as my description and <laughs> peel out. That's cool. So, but the, I think the, the, we're not going to talk about this much today, but I just wanted to toss this in here. I think one of the projects that you've done that I'm most interested in is probably one that there's least information out there about, and that's Haystack at GitHub. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I can answer any questions related to that too, on air, off air, yeah, whatever cool. you want. Yeah. Yep. I worked on that awesome. for a, a little while. I didn't build it, but I, I tuned it a bunch. So remind me what Haystack does. It was the exception tracker. I remember now. Yeah. Cool. I've, I've uh, built a few of those. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys have heard of exceptions, but. <laughs> yeah, we do a little bit in that line. But yeah, I remember, I remember reading some of your blog posts about Haystack, and I thought I was kind of jealous. I was like, oh, man, it'd be cool if we had GitHub as a customer. But I mean, yeah, I totally understand why you would have something totally internal and custom to what you do there at GitHub. Yeah, I still always wonder if they have if they still have it. I need to like reach out to people who are still there and ask. I'm always curious like what what technology has lasted and what hasn't and stuff like that. So Yeah. Yeah. So so how long have you been gone from GitHub? I would say it's hard to remember. I would say 2018, I think, is when I left. So it was right okay. it was like November. It was right when after the Microsoft stuff went through. It happened to like coincide with like paternity leave ending for me and like all these you know, it just perfect timing. So, um, all the stuff kind of came down at the same time. And so like I, my last day of paternity leave was a Friday and that Friday was the day they closed the deal. And then that Monday (laughs) I, uh, resigned and, and, uh, moved on to the next stuff. So 
I, lo- I love GitHub. I, you can see behind me. Uh, no one yeah. listening can, but I have an Octocad <laughs> behind me. My room is completely, you know, offices stuffed with Octocads. I'm, I'm a huge fan still. I just am not a big company person, really. So, yeah, totally can relate to that. I've never thrived in big companies. So, yep. So yeah, getting acquired by Microsoft would make GitHub a pretty big company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was it was great. I mean, we were 45 through 50, and then watched it grow over six, seven years to in the thousands. Wow. And it was just totally different than when we had started. So it was, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where Flipper, you know, and, and Flipper cloud and stuff like that even came from was because I was working there and not to like jump ahead or anything like that, but that's, I was like, I know I'm not going to be a big company person. So like, I got to come up with some kind of a runway. Cause I'm, I'm the guy who runs out the clock in the fourth quarter. I'm very safe and conservative in my, my moves. So, so, yep. Ooh. Nice. I love that. So let's you're, let's talk about that. That's that's very. I say you're you're in so. you're in good company. That sounds a lot like Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. But yeah. so basically, it was like uh, I mean, Flipper itself. I started in like 2013, just as like for fun on the weekend, which was like a lot HTD party. You know, a lot of gems like that. That's where they came from. Was just like hacking around on the weekend or in the evenings. I spent a lot of time doing that kind of stuff, and I I. I've always been interested in feature flags because I, I worked on a long time ago. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I worked on Wars of Friends, the like Scrabble-like game for, uh, on yeah. the back end. So I didn't work on any iOS stuff, but worked on the back end. And every time I tried to roll out, I always joked that that was that time period of my life. I, all I did was write caching for a year because it was just trying to... We scaled from like 50,000 requests a minute to like over a million. It was, it was insane. Wow. And so we were like just trying to keep the service up. And that's where feature flags came in. It kept... Uh, going down every time I tried to roll out this new caching and the new caching was really important and I couldn't get it to roll out because every time I added it, the whole site would just screech to a halt due to a, you know, a cold cache. So mm-hmm. that's when I was working with uh, Jesse Newland. I don't know if you guys remember him from rails. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we were working together on it. We were like, we should do feature flags. Like he was like, check out this thing called rollout. And so like I set it up and got it working and we slowly rolled it out. And then I was just like, wow, this is amazing. So yeah, so then a couple years later though, I, I didn't love the API. I'm real picky about APIs and like, you know, the way the code looks and the way it feels. And uh, their examples used like dollar rollout equals or something and dollar just made me, mm-hmm. you know, scrunch my shoulders and nose and everything. So at that point I was like, oh, I think I can do it better. And that's I feel like how I always end up in open source is like, you know, some kind of silly idea like that. Uh, it's usually like, you know, you change one thing and then everyone's like, why did you make a new project? This is just one small change, but that's how it started. And it didn't get used by me for, I don't know how many years it didn't get used to GitHub even. So I was at GitHub at that time. And I was probably 2015, actually when my son was born, I was on paternity leave with him. That's when it got added to GitHub. Um, two guys, Adam Robin and Rob Sandheim added it. And so they were kind of working with me a little bit, but I was obviously like kind of off the grid at that point, struggling to figure out how to be a parent. So, but yeah, that's kind of how it, how it came about was like, uh, then I just kind of played on the weekend and thought it was fun. And then a bunch of people started using it. I knew I just wanted to make it not tied to Redis because I've had, you know, interactions there that weren't fantastic. And I, I like the idea of storing it everywhere. And so that's kind of, I was like, let's just make something that can talk to anything. And at that time, Rollout mm-hmm. did. Now they have more of an adapter idea in theirs as well. But yeah, so that's kind of how it started. And then eventually those guys pulled it into GitHub and I helped like tune it a little bit and, and help with that. And then from there, it just kept 
pulling my interest back. And so I just kept kind of playing with it. That's cool. Yeah, we, we've used rollout a little bit in Honey Badger. We don't do feature flags very often. We typically like deploy, if there's something that we feel is kind of dangerous, we will deploy it to our internal instance of Honey Badger first. And so we'll inflict it upon ourselves, you know, make sure that it's stable and stuff before we unleash it. And, but every now and then we do have a feature flag and yeah, rollouts API. I think we're still using the old fashioned, you know, activate yeah. user and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Maybe that's not, why we haven't used it as much. <laughs> we're, we're, like afraid, we're afraid to interact with a global variable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and now, like, you know, we have standard running all the time on our, on our, to lint our code, right? And, and so now, like, even in, in VS Code, you can see it, it's like, oh, don't, don't use that dollar sign. It's oh, like, yeah. come on, give me a break, man. <laughs> yeah. And like so every not- other instance of life, the dollar sign is good. It's just like, right. <laughs> just in Ruby, where you're like, oh, this makes me feel bad. Yeah. 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 But then again, I came to Ruby from Perl. So, you know, it's some, ah. sometimes it's like, oh, it's the kind of throwback kind of makes you feel warm and fuzzy to have all those signals, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. that's still, it's probably, not a, it's, it's probably not great if uh, your API is a linter error. <laughs> yeah, that's probably bad news. That's neat that you guys have an internal instance. So you use that for Honey Badger itself then? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, it makes yeah, sense. So. I just hadn't really thought about it. It's pretty handy. Yeah. It's kind of like a production staging instance. Like it's, it's live taking a lot of traffic, like live production traffic, but yeah, we can kind of play around with it. We did that at Words of Friends. We had like, I think it was called a smoke instance and, or, or hmm. you know, and it was the same idea as like a canary or something. It was like kind of pre-feature flags was like, we just had one thing that got like 5% of the traffic. And so we could, we could roll out to that first. And if it went well, then we would tag it and roll it out to production and stuff. Uh, oh yeah. That's, that's uh, which, a good idea. not the same, but kind of, the, kind of the same idea. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, one of the one of the side effect benefits has been like now we have so it's it's deployed in a in a separate region. So we're we're 100 AWS, and so our internal instance is in a different region. So it's obviously a different VPC, and everything is just completely separate from our production stuff. And we're we're big fans of like Ansible and Terraform. Mm. And so the the nice side effect has been now we have this you know good set of scripts in Terraform and Ansible to like spin up an entire stack right pretty easily. So. It's been a lot of fun to play with, kind of geek out on that sort of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. So you said uh, you you said runway. That was like a trigger word for me. Like, <laughs> yeah, like Josh, like Josh said, like I'm totally into having backup plans and, and that sort of thing. So at some point, Flipper went from this fun open source project to maybe I'm going to do something else with it. So tell us about that. Yeah, in 2017, I was I think it was 2017. You know, GitHub had just exploded growth wise and stuff like that, and. Um, I was just kind of like feeling the big company, like, like we're at a big company and there's nothing wrong with this. This is just kind of the way it is. But like you spend, I feel like you spend a quarter of your time just telling everyone else what you're doing with the other portion of your time. And that was just starting to, you know, wear on me. I, I just like to get in and make an impact. And it's really, you know, it's difficult to, to make an impact that you feel is substantial at a company that's thousands of people. So, and I think part of it's just a mental issue. Cause I see other people who like definitely make an impact and I think they just maybe well, well suited to that. But yeah, for myself, I wasn't. So I was like, I got to come up with something else. And I'm like, I didn't really want to go back to consulting. So I was like, well, you know, maybe I can come up with some kind of software, you know, as a service on the side, I was trying to think of like, what, what could possibly there's, I always have ideas. I have tons of things that I want to build. Like my problem is not a lack of ideas. It was just like, which would make sense. And then randomly, I think I, I saw, you know, some flashy thing about Mike Purim and like hitting a million on Sidekick or some something like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. 
huh. And it, it just gave me like a little bit of like an idea. I was like, well, I wonder if uh, like I have an open source project that could do that because I have several. They've, you know, been you know moderately successful. Like, but I was like, no one's going to pay for HTTP requests. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else that I had that would really like warrant that. And then I was like, oh, like Flipper, like one of the things that, you know, you do is like, if you use Flipper, you set it up kind of on each project and it would be really nice. Like we had a web UI and stuff like that, but it would, that web UI is always like, you know, per environment and per project. So like, if you have eight projects, you got to have it mounted in eight, eight places. And if, if you have, you know, development and then you have staging and you have production, then the, the feature data has got to be synced between them. And like all these kinds of, of, tedious things. And so I was like, I wonder if there's a way like I could do that. And so I kind of like started looking around and I saw, I mean, maybe within like a day, like I remember writing all the notes, but like within a, a week for sure, I saw um, launch darkly. And so they're like a, probably the, I would assume the powerhouse or, or pretty close in future flags right now. And they got like 8 million in funding or something like that. And I was like, wow, okay. I don't, I mean, this was, they've gotten way more since then. Uh, but this was, I was like, 8 million. I was like, wow, okay. I'm like, that means, you know, people are actually interested in this as a hosted thing, not just like a, so I kind of looked at their model and how they do it. And it, they kind of, they open connections. There's, it's almost like, a, you know, like long polling, but not, it's not polling. It's, I think it does actually have push, but, and I was like, well, I don't know if I really want to build that. That sounds really complicated. And I don't think people are going to trust me with an HTTP request in their main request thread on, you know, that's, not in Ruby for sure. I mean, you, you have a hundred milliseconds just for being in, in Ruby and doing net HTTP. So I was like, I just, I don't know. That seems hard to believe. Obviously you guys have a lot of service that cause you know, you have clients that are sh shipping all kinds of things to you and you have to come up with ways to do it in the background. And I'm fairly certain that I've spent a decent amount of time in the honey badger gem in the last two years, like looking at the threaded stuff. So, so yeah, I don't know. I was like, maybe this would work. And then like right after that, I saw a split IO came out and they announced like 7 million in funding. And again, I didn't want to bootstrap or I didn't want to fund and I didn't want to go big and, and that kind of stuff. But I was like, if other people are paying, you know, or, or like giving large sums of money to people doing this, that seems possible. So I kind of started hacking on some stuff. And at the same time, um, this guy, Alex Wheeler, he started contributing to Flipper and was like, it'd be really cool if there was like an HTTP API. And I was like, that sounds interesting, you know, like, and this was a little bit before the cloud idea. And then he like put some uh, pull requests together and I like, you know, just was like, if I, if it was me, I would change these things, but like, this looks pretty cool. And we, we had like a nice, you know, back and forth and built out a bunch of stuff to like, just mount, mount a, like a rack app in rails or in Sinatra or whatever. And you just have this HTTP API and, and it could, you know, do its thing. And, and I was like, I bet I could just mount that in a rails app. And then I would have a hosted service. <laughs> and so it kind of started that way. So it was like just for fun. And then uh, one of the other guys that I used to work with at GitHub, John Hoyt, uh, he's John Magic uh, everywhere online. He was like, I'll build it with you. Uh, he was looking just for some fun. So we started hacking on it. And then the Microsoft stuff went down and we built it and it was working. I started using it on um, Speaker Deck. Like in the meantime, I had reacquired Speaker Deck back from GitHub. And so I was like, we're using it there. And we were just kind of polling every like, I don't know, 60 seconds and, and memorizing, memorizing things in memory and stuff like that um, for performance. And then it was like, I don't, maybe there's like, I think we could do this. There's more to this. And so we were like, all right, let's, let's try and make it happen. And so we brought in a couple other people. And then eventually 
he and some of the other people ran out of time and it ended up back as just uh, myself and Steve Smith, who I was partners with at Ordered List pre-GitHub. So, uh, so yeah, we were like, all right, let's try this. But then it just sat because Microsoft happened and that was like kind of insane. And so I, I took a little bit of time off after that and then rejoined Steve at BoxOut. And uh, he, he had started a new company. So I jo- basically rejoined him at his new company. And then, you know, pushing that forward, we kind of just left Flipper in the background. We started using it a bunch, but, like didn't do anything with it. And then it was like, okay, we have this whole thing and it's working. We should really do something with it. But we actually launched Speaker Deck before that, like as a pro, uh, uh, like a paid thing, like in November, I think is when we did it. And like people gave us some money to like pay for that pro account. And we were like, whoa, this is really fun. Like we should do this on Flipper. <laughs> we've had this, you know, software that we've been using for two years with no problems. Uh, like maybe we should actually like, you know, slap some billing on that. So that's Steve kind of did that over Christmas. And so then uh, we just maybe a month ago released it so that anybody can sign up nice. and start using it now. I love that slap some billing on it, by the way. <laughs> so that, that <laughs> that's, totally that's comes the way. <laughs> yeah. That comes from gauges. We actually launched back in the day when we had Harmony, we had, you know, CMS. Well, if you have a CMS, you want stats. So we made gauges. Yeah. And, and so like, what was hilarious is we launched gauges with a seven day free trial and no billing. <laughs> and so we were nice. like, well, just, we got seven days. We can put a bill, we can slap a billing system in. So that's really uh-huh. where, yeah. It's not the first time I've said slap a billing system in. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah, I love that. I've, I've done that. It's like, yeah, I'll just push it out there. And if anybody wants to buy it, then I'll, I'll figure out how to get some mm-hmm. money for it. And I mean, and if no one wants it, it saves you a lot of time, right? Yeah, who yeah. wants to build a billing system that no one's going to put <laughs> money gets, into? It never gets used. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember back in the day using Spreedly, which was great because they, you know, it was mostly- oh, yeah, I remember web- Spreedly. Yeah, webhooks and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But then they kind of moved more to being like an interface to multiple gateways rather than the recurring billing stuff. And so I wasn't even sure. And then I w- went through like a seven-year, you know, entrepreneurial dark period where I worked at a huge company and was focused on that. I didn't pay attention to anything else. So, uh, but Stripe, Stripe Billing Portal is awesome. So that actually yeah. like has covered for Speaker Deck and Flipper. It's made it, I mean, it's 90% of what we would want and the other 10% we can mm-hmm. live without. So it would just be nice. Yeah. And, you know, eventually Stripe will build that 10%. They will. Yeah. They're probably, probably already did. And I just haven't seen it yet. Like it's probably, or it's in the works. It'll be out next month at, at their rate. So. Yeah. That's, that's one thing like over, over time, I've become much more comfortable with the idea of depending on services for things as opposed to building it myself. And like with AWS, it's like anything you want, like you just wait long enough. Eventually it's going to show up. You know, we've been getting more, more into using DynamoDB and, and other services that AWS has. And it's like, yeah, I wish it had this thing. And then six months later, it has that thing now. Oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> and that ecosystem is so like, I mean, the only word is rich. I mean, it's crazy. They just let you do everything. SQS, like SNS, all those. Yeah, they're really great. So you, you got this Flipper Cloud going and you've got paying customers now because of your billing system, right? We do, yeah. So we... Yeah. Um, we have a few. Um, we launched uh, maybe like a week ago, uh, no, a month in all, I think. Yeah, we just actually, we just had our first person who paid us a second time, uh, like this nice. morning. I, I thought Congrats. I got, conf- conf- thank you. Thank you. It was <laughs> very exciting. I, I got confused for a second because I was like, oh, a new sign up. And then I was like, oh no, this is actually, the, it's just the same person, you know, sending it again. So <laughs> I think we have, I was going to look before, I don't remember. It's probably like maybe 300 bucks in seats right now. So 
I'm really okay with that. Like speaker deck we launched maybe end of November. So basically December, which is, you know, kind of Christmas time and, and nobody's buying speaker deck accounts for, for Christmas for people, for stocking stuffers. So, <laughs> um, <Come on. laughs> so yeah, I wasn't sure how that would do, but like, um, it's so far maybe 7,000 in revenue that it's generated and it's up to almost a thousand, uh, MRR. So, which I, I was like, if we can get to the expenses on that are around a thousand, like 1200 bucks a month or something like that for like the AWS and Heroku and stuff all those kinds of things. And I was like, if we can get to that by like the end of the year, that would be amazing. You know, like just by the end of the year, if we get to like paying the bills on it, it's, it's kind of just like a passion project. I just love speaker deck and I can't get rid of it. And so I'm like, yeah. if it makes money, that's great. If it just breaks even, that would be, that'd be fine. And we're like almost break even three months in. So that was kind of, I think what got us really excited about flipper too. We're like, shoot, this is, these things, there are actually people out there that want to pay for software that solves their problems. Like, it's funny that you can forget that, but um, Box Out Sports, you know, pays the bills and is doing really great. So it was kind of easy for us to kind of forget about that, like just kind of focus on that and not really diversify and try other stuff. So, so yeah, they're they're going going pretty well. Like, I don't have any complaints. So there's definitely like it's brand new. So people are like, I don't know if I want to do this or not. It's brand new, or like. Tell me more about your pricing because we, I mean, pricing, you guys know, it's really difficult. Like that's probably a, a lot of iterations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Trying to get it right. And every, you know, so that, that was a hard one, but I feel like you, you labor over it and labor over it. And eventually you're like, the only thing that's going to make a difference is just putting something out there and getting feedback. So that's what we ended up doing. We were like, you know what? We realized we're putting ourselves out there at like half the price of launch darkly and split and all these other companies, but we're like, we feel like we can make lots of money at this, you know, point. So, you know, we'll see, like, we'll just find out. And so far the feedback has been good. Maybe it's like a little bit high for some people and a little bit, you know, they didn't even notice the price for other people. So. Mm -hmm. That's a good, that's a good place to be. I mean, if no one's complaining about the price, then you're, you're priced too low, I, I think. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And, and it's nice to be the no-brainer option, I think, for the other, the other end of the spectrum, too. So, yeah, that's yeah, a pretty good sweet spot to be in. We found I, that, like, the pricing project is one that has never ended for us, and I don't think it ever does. Like, I think you always are adjusting your prices to, like, whatever current, what the current market is and, you know, with competitors and stuff. Yeah. How do you guys do that? I'd be super curious. Like, do you, like, do you, every time you roll out, do, do people kind of, you roll it out for new people, like the new pricing and everybody else just stays yeah. on their current plan. Do you have like eight, eight, 800 different plans in Stripe, but you only show two of them on the website or I'm yeah. just curious. <laughs> that, that one. All <laughs> <laughs> the above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we try to, you know, do right by our customers, right? We don't yeah. want to, to push people into things that, you know, it's like the Comcast thing, like Comcast, like, Oh, by the way, your bill's going up. Like no yeah. one, no one loves that. Right. So yeah, every time we do pricing, we, we just do it for new people. We typically don't announce it and make a big deal out of it. Cause we just want to see like, cause we don't, we don't do AB testing on our pricing. So basically like Josh said, it's like, it's basically a full-time thing because yeah, for, for months leading up to a change, we're talking about it thinking about it and penciling it out. Right. And then we make the change. And then for months after the change, we're like, okay, how did it go? And, and how's the revenue curve looking? And, and then for, we have, we have had one round of price changes where we did go back to customers who are on our older plans and ask them to upgrade mm -hmm. when we switched from basically unlimited to metered based on traffic. Like there were one of the reasons we switched was 
the new pricing was because some customers were using a whole lot of traffic <laughs> and not paying us very much, right? Yeah. And so we did go back in some cases and say, look, you know, we just can't continue to service your level of traffic, you know, and yeah. here are some options, right? You can, you can fix your bugs or, you know, you could uh, pay us more or you could just deal with some of their traffic going away. Like, we'll, we'll cut you off at a certain point, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and those conversations were great, I think, because we, one, we like explained it clearly you know, to people like, here's why things are changing. And we reached out, I reached out individually to people. Like yeah. it wasn't like this mass thing. It was each, each account I emailed and said, Hey, here's your traffic. You know, here's what we're talking about for new pricing. And here's some ways we, you know, you can adjust it. And overall <laughs> like, the response was, was great. Most of them, like the, like the ones that you actually contacted, like, especially the ones you contacted first, like the, the way you lay it out, like like showing them their traffic and then showing them like how much we're making on them. Like by the end of it, they're apologizing to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, was, that so, was a good email. And we've just started, I think we made our last change in around May of last year. And, and now we're thinking again about, oh, is, that, is that working? You know, is, do we need to make some tweaks? I just, on the receiving end, I don't know if you know about Penboard. It's a bookmarking yeah, service. Yeah, I use it. Yeah, I love Pinboard. Yeah. I signed up back in way, way back in the mm -hmm. day when he was selling at like a one-time fee. Yep. And I remember like his price went up by a penny for every customer that signed up. Yeah. And I got in, I think it was like, I don't know, $2.36 <laughs> or whatever. And uh, did you get his email? Well, I just got an email from him uh, this mm. past week. And he's- Oh, interesting. Big, long email. And I was like, oh, I know what this email is. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, yeah, it was like, hey, uh, you're a longtime you know, supporter. Thank you so much for signing up when I was just charging one time. But, you know, I have ongoing fees and I, I need to pay the bills and et cetera, et cetera. It was a fantastic email. Mm -hmm. And the pricing, the new pricing is like just so ridiculously cheap. I'm like, sold, take my money, yeah. right? And uh, so I wrote back. I'm like, hey, great email. Thank you for you know, explaining this and happy to, happy to pay you more, right? So... Yeah, I think, you know, we kind of get twisted up in knots over those kinds of things. Yeah. But if you have customers that love you and, you know, you're, you're treating them fairly, I think people get it. Like, oh, yeah, I can see that there's, there's an imbalance here and, yeah, we can, we can make, make a change. So how did you settle on pricing for Flipper Cloud? Like, what, what did you consider? Or was this the first thing, was like the first thing you thought of the thing we see today? Or did you go through some permutations on that? Yeah, we went through a lot of permutations. And it, like, it's, that was... Steve and I are, are the only two in the company. So, you know, he does most of the you know, design and stuff like that. I do most of the back end, and we both cross over. We're real big on standards and stuff. So using the same things in all of our apps so we can work and stuff like that. But business stuff we always do together, which is good because we have, you know, like you guys obviously probably, probably find that you have different things that you bring to the table. So I think like the goal is like, we just want everybody who's using Flipper to use this mostly just because like it will make your flipper life better. Like if you're already using flipper, it'll make your life better. So like we want people to use it. We don't want them to like not want to use it just because, you know, it's paid versus open source or something like that. That's like one thing we factored in. And so I think initially we were like, well, what if we just came up with like a small plan of some sort, like three plans, like, like everybody does, you know, like whatever, nickel, bronze and gold or you know, that kind of idea on box out, we have basic plus and premium. So, I mean, again, it's just like you make three plans, uh, you bucket people in and, and move on with life. So we started with that. And what, the thing we were noticing was like, you know, launch darkly split, um, rollout.io, which is not rollout that we were talking about earlier, but there's like several of these 
that exist and, and have pricing. And I like went down through all of them. I'm sure you also do this, but like did a little analysis and I'm like, these people charge a lot of money for feature flags. I was like, it's crazy. Like, I, I mean, it's not crazy. Like if people are paying and it, it's totally sane, <laughs> but I was like, it's just kind of mind blowing to me. I'm like, okay, I, I pay whatever, like 10, 15 bucks a month for, or maybe 25 bucks a month for like some of my, the organizations that I have on GitHub. And I'm like, if I charge $20 for like, or $40 or $50 for one seat in a feature flag app, like, are they getting more value from that or from GitHub? It's difficult for me to say something that's been around for eight years, you know, acquired by Microsoft and all this stuff that like, how can I, it's almost like, how can I charge that? But then I always, tr I try to remind myself like, well, yeah, but they have like millions and millions of customers. So, so that was kind of like mm -hmm. a lot of the analysis was just like, well, what price point is, are people at? Because you don't want to like price super cheap and then have people be like, well, they must be cheap. And you don't want to price super expensive if you're not, if you don't feel you're delivering that kind of value to people. So I looked at what the market was at, which seems to be somewhere in the like 40 to 50 a seat range with, you know, different levels of freemium to get people in. And then after that, you know, Steve and I talked and we we're like, we just want people to use it. So like, what if we just have like a 25 bucks a month plan, you know, for like some number of like two people. And then the value with cloud, I feel like is, that's the hard thing is like, it's brand new. So how do you tell what the value is? But like for you guys, you know, you can have like metered billing, which is, that makes sense. Cause like the more I use of your service, the more value I'm getting. And so, you know, the more money you should make. Um, and obviously there's other things you probably like differentiate on, but like for us, we're like, well, right now, initially what we're offering is like, everything kind of in one place, you know, and we help keep it all in sync and some of that kind of stuff. And we're like, it really doesn't cost us a lot to do that. We have ideas down the road for, for analytics and other things that will cost a lot. So we can figure that out later, but we're like, we didn't really have like a good value metric other than like the number of developers. So like the number of people that are using it, if you have, you know, two developers, it is less, you know, useful or one developer is less useful to have it than if you have like, you know, 10, 20, like whatever. And so we were like, well, if that's going to be the case, having like a $25 plan and then like a, I don't know, whatever, like a $500 plan, you know, and then like a, or maybe a $250, $300 plan and like a five or $600 plan. And then like a, you know, call us for more kind of a thing. We're like going from 25 to like 300 or something just felt like a lot. And we didn't want to have like eight different plans, you know, in between and come up with, adamantium and every other metal. So it was like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Like, realistically, we've always hated per seat pricing. Like Steve and I both have just kind of, uh, I remember when GitHub switched to per seat pricing and I was like, I mean, whatever's in the interest of, you know, a shareholder, cool. But like, I really hate, you know, per seat pricing. But I was like, you know what? It just really actually makes the most sense. Like it is the thing that gives your organization more value in this case, like more developers using it means more things to keep in sync and more things to like keep track of changes and stuff for and more things where permissions matter. So it was like, okay, that actually makes the most sense. We, we need to do that. What do we charge? And so we went back and forth on that for a while. Like, do we just make it 10 bucks a month? And like, hopefully everybody's just like, well, that's a no brainer, I'll just do it. Or do we make it 50 bucks a month like everybody else? And, but we were like, that just felt like too much. So we were like, okay, let's just pick kind of in the middle. So it was really scientific. Do a bunch of research. Yeah. See what other people are actually charging for it. What kind of value people are then, you know, you assume they're getting and 
find you know the value metric that makes the most sense. Interesting, like a lot of people for feature flags charge based on monthly like uh, active users in your app because they assume you're going to pass that user through every feature flag. And the reason they do that, I think, is is just because of again the analytics side. Like if you're actually sending each feature check, that's a lot of data because you can have. I mean, GitHub would have you know hundreds of feature checks on any page rendering. And, you know, some of them are in a loop where you're checking it for every single like listed org or issue or things like that. So it's easy to generate a lot of data, like maybe uh, an exception app would get. And if if that was the case, then yeah, you want to, you know, bill based on that. But we're like, we're not doing anything with that right now. So we're just going to start with like what makes sense. It's like, here's like the cheapest we think it would make sense at. Here's like where everybody else is at. And we're just going to kind of go in the middle and we'll see how adoption goes. And then if, if it goes well, cool. Uh, you know, if it's struggling, then like we've had a few people who are like, ah, I don't know if I can quite pay that much. Okay, here's your discount. Like just, you know, like I just want you using this, you know, give me feedback, like that's fine. And then we'll we'll hammer out the pricing because we basically just threw a dart after like hours of discussions. So yeah, I've been, we've been there, we've done that. I too dislike the per seat pricing, but but I agree. Like it makes it makes a lot of sense in this case. and. When you get to that point, when you do the analytics stuff, you could, so as an add-on, it's like, oh, you want the, the data pack too? There you go, right? And when we, when we started Honey Badger, um, we were really turned off by w- what Airbrake had done with their pricing mm. and, and being really limited based on traffic. And, and so that's why we decided, like, we don't want to do that. And we decided the key limiting factor that we could tier on was the number of projects. Mm. We figured, like, bigger teams will have more projects, and so they can pay more. And that worked out, except for, again, for those people that, you know, only had one project and they were sending us all this traffic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But what, what really changed our minds, even more than that, because we were just w- willing to bear that, but really came down to it was like we, microservices became a thing. Mm. And these small teams would all of a sudden have five and 10 and 20 little microservice apps they wanted to track independently. And like our pricing just didn't work for them. Like I, yeah. you know, I can't spend that much just for my little, you know, two person team, mm-hmm. right? And so I was like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. And so we flipped it around so that, okay, well, if your overall traffic is low, then you don't have to pay us so much. So. You know, what's funny is I looked at your website for a while last night and I looked at everything but the pricing. And I, I, A, first off, I love it. There's so much good stuff on it, like super <laughs> fantastic work. I, I just enjoyed reading it. I'm like listening to some previous episodes and like looking at, I felt like I completely immersed, uh, like I'm full on honey badger this morning. So Awesome. Um, but yeah, but like, so you are metered based on basically with the traffic that people send to you. That's the, yeah. okay. I just wanted to confirm that. Cool. Yeah. It's tough because if you're, if you're a new Honey Badger customer and you're coming in, you're like, well, what pricing makes sense for me? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know how much traffic you're sending. And it's, it's, it's hard, you know, like with, with cell phone management, you're like, oh, I know how much I talk per month. Right. Or with like user seat pricing, you're like, well, I know how many people I have on my team. Right? It's easy. Yep. But with with the traffic, it's like I don't know, and so that's another reason why we yeah. we didn't. Well, and this was like back, like, like whatever nine years ago when like very few people were doing metered billing too. Yeah. So it was like a new concept to everyone. Yeah. So yeah, I remember talking about that a lot with gauges, like metered billing. We ended up doing three plans and just saying contact us for more, and then we had some hidden plans mm. in Spreedly that didn't show up on our website, but like for bigger customers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, metered, I feel like works works better like with some kind of like in that instance, like, like look, it's cool. If you just, uh, somebody does this, they do like a, a 
two month rolling average or three month rolling average, which I thought was cool too. Like if you use a little more one month, but less the next month, yeah. like we don't really care. We've always, that's kind of been our approach to billing is like, look, we got to charge you something so that it's worth it for us to keep doing it. But like, we want this to make sense for both of us. Like we're not, you know, we're not going to, not to pun, but like, we're not going to badger you into higher prices or whatever. Like, but gotta, at the same time, write that down. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel like that's kind of like how it, I always have approached it. And so metered pricing is, mm-hmm. is interesting, like with like some kind of like forgiveness built into it. I feel like I, I, I like that idea. Of yeah. Like, that forgiveness was what was missing with Airbrake, I think, mm-hmm. primarily. Like, because back then it was like, if people, if you did meter bill, metered billing, it was like, this is the number of whatever events that you get. And then it's like, I just cut you off, basically. Or I yeah. just remember having those issues where, like, if you hit the, if you hit the, the limit, then it was like, you're on your own. And that just feels terrible from a, like, a user customer standpoint. Yeah. You can yeah. hit that with like a really bad exception. And high traffic. Yeah. I mean, I remember that with like yeah. everything in, in, in Haystack was like rolled up. It was rolled up based on, you know, just a super simple algorithm, you know? And if mm-hmm. you don't have that, you know, you can have one exception that just blows your entire limit. We had that happen at, at box out with, I don't even remember what the exception was, but it uh, literally just ate through um, our entire century thing. And I was like, Oh, like, so yeah. then we upgraded the plan so we could get more. I think it was JavaScript tracking. We didn't even care about it. So we just, <laughs> it's always it JavaScript. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, it's always yes, JavaScript. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably like some like old legacy version of IE that, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, the, the forgiveness is, is key. I think to having a great relationship with your customer. And and the truth is like, we're, we're softies. Like, yeah. you know, we have, we have people on a regular basis emailing us and saying, Hey, I'm sorry. I just sent you, you know, a million and a half errors yesterday. And my plan limit is 150,000, <laughs> but you know, can I just get by for the rest of the month without paying you more? And it's like, all right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we flipped a little switch that allows them to have, you know, the rest of the traffic for the month. What's- so. What's that switch? How does that, is it just, you just wrote some code and like you cache the code or you, or it's fast enough. So it's fine. Yeah. We, so we have, so our internal admin tool just pushes a, 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 I guess it's a, it's a Redis key. Okay. And it's like, so we, so we have the, we have a daily check. So we, we look yeah. back at the usage and say, okay, well, are you past your quota yet? Mm-hmm. And if you're past your quota, then we'll add a limit. Right. And so we just have a, a flag in Redis that says, oh, this, this customer is exempt until such and such time. Gotcha. Right? And so that daily check will be like, just ignore them. Yeah. We, so, we abuse yeah, Redis a lot like that. <laughs> what part, a lot. I, like, I mean, everybody does. Like in part of me, like that's, I feel like that's a huge, that's where Redis gets a lot of its market share is that kind of easy, quick stuff. So I've actually been, I've been thinking about that a lot in not, we don't have to talk about it, but like in Flipper, like uh, I've been calling, I think I've been calling it controls. So they're like these, so we have it in speaker deck. Like we have in speaker deck, we have a quality and quality like defaults to 90, but some people are like, these aren't clear enough. And so we're like, okay, 100 before we couldn't do that. And I was like, well, I need some way to just say like, this is the setting for this person. If it doesn't exist for that thing, fall back to a default, you know? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that would actually fit. Like Flipper has flipper.enabled question mark, you know, like feature name and then like, actor. And I was like, that's the same as like a config. It's just instead of being like true false response, you're returning like some other typed, you know, piece of data. I feel like that would be every app that I've worked on. I've wanted that. And Flipper like already has is basically just like a key value thing with some Ruby logic on top of it. So I'm like, 
now that we have, you know, syncing and other stuff, I'm like, I totally just need to build that in because I desperately mm-hmm. want it. Like on box out, I want to say like, what's your, you know, your graphic limit or, or, you know, what kind of, mm-hmm. it's not for like secrets. It's for like configuration things to like, yeah. that you want to hot reload. You don't want to, you know, and then you just have, you know, memoization and caching and all those layers built in, just like they're built into to Flipper or whatever you use. So yeah, that's yeah. why I asked about the switch. Cause that's I was cool. like, I, I love that idea of controls and I'm always curious how people do it. And I feel like most people do it in Redis and they do it cause it's, it's easy there, but not necessarily like that they, you know, prefer to have that be the place or, cause then you got to remember to clean it up if you, otherwise that'll just keep growing. So, but yeah. No, that's, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I love where you're going with that because like in, in every billing system I've ever written, there's always this notion of, of limits yep. per plan. Like a plan has certain, you know, project limit or user limit or whatever, but you always want to be able to override that, mm-hmm. you know, and comp something to a customer, right? Yeah. Oh, I need, I just need another user, right? Okay. Well, you can, you can have another one. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. so there's, there's always the, you know, user limit field on the plans table, let's say, but then there's also a user limit field on the accounts table so that you can yep. override. So if that's, if that's nil, it just falls back to the plan, yep. but if they've got a value, then use that value instead. Right. So. You could tell you something like that with Flipper, like kind of thing, I think. Yeah, I definitely ha- I have it in my mind. I just have to like sit down and, and do it. The only thing that's hard with that is like you have an explosion in your cardinality because if you can have one setting for like all 1 million users, like Flipper, all the Flipper data is designed to be able to be like, basically you can read all your features and all their data in like one request. And then the dynamic parts of it go in like Ruby or the dynamic parts someday will go in whatever other you know, language support we add. And so I, I try to control cardinality just because I've worked, you know, I worked on GitHub and anything that and words of friends before that. So you work on high traffic things and you see how things fail as well. You don't have a limit. Like, and so you run into that with, mm-hmm. you know, Amazon services or anything where it's like you have a limit, but you can email them and then they'll up the limit. And so it's like they try to keep people from hurting themselves. But if they really know what they're doing, they'll know, yeah, they'll just turn it up. And so I just feel like it's like a core part of every app and there's like no library or like anything that kind of does it uh, like just, you know, from scratch in a way that to make sure you're not doing N plus one lookups all over the place for every configuration value and stuff like that. So I desperately want it. So I feel like I'm going to build it in probably sooner rather than later. And it's a differentiator. Like no, not there's only like one or two other places that are doing that. Um, I think ConfigCat is one that I saw that seems to do something kind of like that. But yeah, that's why I was curious. Yeah, cardinality is a killer. Like uh, <laughs> when we first, our first way back in the day, when we first attempted to use Elasticsearch to index our customers' mm-hmm. exception data, like every exception is a is unique snowflake, right? And so like they all have an, just the, the, the union set is, is very small across all customers, right? And so yeah. Elasticsearch has, of course, limits on how many items it's going to track. And once you hit that limit, Stuff, sorry, because they have to distribute that all around the cluster, you know, so they have to limit that. And so we had to come up with some clever ways to to normalize that data and, you know, and feed it into Elasticsearch in a way that won't blow up that cardinality. So that's cool. Yeah, I should blog about that someday. You should. Yeah, I would read it. (laughs) One one more thing on pricing. So on the, you know, Flipper, you got the Flipper open source thing and you've got the Flipper cloud and you've got the self-hosted option with the cloud on your pricing page. Did you think about other ways, because you talked about Mike, Mike was an inspiration yeah. and Mike, you know, has a particular licensing scheme, right? There's open source and then there's, you know, basically an open core model, right? You want more features or you want a different license, then you pay for that, right? 
So did you think about those kind of alternatives for Flipper and what, what made you decide on the hosted thing was, was right for you? Yeah, I, I definitely did. That's a really good question. I saw Mike's thing. So that was like my first thought. And also um, like Robert, the GraphQL gem, he, he has the same kind of, I think as, as, as Mike, uh, where like you can pay a little bit, you know, and get a different license or get uh, more features, resolvers, cachers, all those kinds of things. I feel like I was trying to think through that with Flipper and I'm like, well, I could definitely like do that, but like, what's the thing that's painful with open source Flipper? And that's like the problem I would want to solve. And like, there, I mean, the number one things that people kind of brought up were like, like audit logging of or some kind of audit history. Like they just want to know like who did what, when, and then, you know, the other pain, a big one is like, everything is per project and per environment. And there's like, so everybody's got rake tasks and sync scripts and all this kind of stuff. So it's like, I mean, especially when it gets like a, a like GitHub where you have, you know, hundreds of developers and they're all creating features and going to town. And it's like, you go on your local laptop to like do something and you're like, I don't even know which feature I need to turn on to make this work to like see the feature. And so then you got to like go through the code and figure out where it's hitting and figure out what features get used and how they need to be enabled yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And I feel like those were the two things that we saw as like the biggest pain points were like moving feature data, like feature data through your environments and having like a, a history of what's going on. Those were the two like key things. And then the other thing that I feel like long-term is huge is the like the analytics and the information side that, that can be done. I've said it before, but like, I'm the kind of person that like, I played NBA, Tecmo basketball and like Tecmo football and Nintendo growing up and like Tecmo football didn't track any stats. So like I paused after every play and I kept track of passing attempts, rushing attempts, yards, sacks, tackles, like NBA <laughs> basketball. Hardcore. Yeah, it was better because they kept track of everything, but they, they also kept track of rebounds, but they didn't do them correctly. Like I started noticing like problem. I'm like, I know I had more than 10 rebounds in this game. This isn't right. And so I started keeping, and I had my own rebound ledger. So I was like, I've always been into stats, I guess is like, and again, <laughs> Barely, yeah. yeah. Thinking through like how, what the problems were with open source is like, well, A, you want to know like, is a feature being checked or not? And if you set it to 25% of actors, like kind of how many people does that mean? And like, you know, is it actually returning that? And like at GitHub, we used you know, StatsD and stuff like that to kind of figure some of the, that out. And then we also um, eventually used uh, other things like uh, Datadog and stuff like that. And so it was like, mm -hmm. but like, you, I don't necessarily have that on every project that I set up and stuff. So I was like, but these are things that I want every time I use Flipper. And so if I'm going to want them every time and probably other people are struggling with them every time, then those probably may, and those are the things that are the hardest to build because they're unique to the setup. So like if you want to have analytics tracking, you got to have some thread in the background that's keeping track of stats and shipping off events and doing that kind of stuff to some kind of endpoint. And then that endpoint is going to have to do a lot of work to store the raw yeah. data, crunch up reports. Like, again, you guys totally familiar with that. So like, but like, that's not something you just want to solve in open source. Like I was just like that, even with like, or like for each customer, like I don't want to write the like analytics rollup adapter to work with. Redis and to work with Mongo and to work with Postgres and like everything. Like I was like, there's yeah. some things that just make sense to centralize. And so I think that's why I went, went that route. And also just, I, that was what I had done in the past with Harmony and Gages was like SAS. I just understood that. I was like, I've never yeah. licensed anything. 
I don't even look at licenses. Like, I mean, other than legality, just to make sure I'm not like breaking laws, but like, right. Yeah. I mean, I use MIT because everybody uses MIT and Ruby. Like that's, you know, there's probably yeah. other licenses. I don't know what they are. So, um, so I think <laughs> yeah. that's kind of why I didn't go down that route. Have you thought about uh, AB testing features? Yeah, that comes up. I feel like that, in, I mean, for me, where, where I sit on that is like, I don't AB test stuff. It, like you guys said, you don't do it either. And I feel like I don't really have the desire. And I kind of alluded to this earlier, but like to just sit there and like micromanage the revenue or like the color of a button or like all these kinds of, I just don't care about that. So mm-hmm. it doesn't interest me. I don't personally do it. I wouldn't know how to solve it right for people. There's other gotcha. services out yeah. there, Optimizely, et cetera, that are huge. But everybody that uses feature flags immediately is like, oh, this is the same thing as A-B tests. Like, why doesn't this do A-B tests? Or, you know, yeah. I'm already doing A-B tests, like, you know, et cetera. So I've already, I mean, there's been several people that have asked. But, and so probably someday, like, you know, if your customers want something, like you build it. I yeah. wouldn't know how to build it correctly for them right now. And that would detract from just trying to get people who are using Flipper currently uh, on board, which is like goal number one. It's just like, if you're using Flipper, like just make it a no brainer that like this is something you use. So that's, that's the only reason why I haven't is I'm not sure how much I believe in it. And if people want to do it, that's totally fine. And I could see it being supported at some point, but like, it just feels like different. Like to me, they're different things. And maybe what yeah. you do is there's there's a, a better way with like once you have those raw stats, you use the like some sort of export, you know, Zapier like or Zapier or whatever it is. Uh, like you know, you, you have glue between two dif- disparate systems that, that that they use the data, you know. But they're I don't know that I yeah want to have an A/B testing testing company. But mm-hmm. I actually had like a year <laughs> after I left GitHub, people who were working on maintaining Flipper internally. Like, we're like, hey, we're like looking at doing a lot of A-B testing and they had two different things, which obviously I was involved Didn't GitHub in. release a tool that did that, did A-B testing in Ruby or something? I feel like there was something back in the uh, day or like... There was scientists. Like, scientist? Yeah, scientists. Yeah, I was going to say like yeah. five years ago or within the yeah. past five years, I saw something. It's more for like um, code changes to make sure that you can try okay. an old way yeah. and a new way and test the performance gotcha. before That's they go right, up. yeah. Yep, but it but it's the same yeah. that I love, and I feel like that's totally up Flipper's alley too. Is like this idea, okay? Of, yeah, yeah, server side, you know, tools to like help you release software more safely. Like to me, yeah. I love that. I'm just less excited about about the AB side. So, gotcha. Okay, yeah, the the scientist thing was like maybe a little bit closer to what I was thinking um, versus like product, oh, gotcha. Like yeah, I don't know, product yeah. feature maybe I don't know. I, yeah. I, Probably could have phrased it a little better, but I had not thought just, about that you said, at all. You said you love yeah. stats, and I thought like, what, yeah. what? How can I get this guy collecting more stats? <laughs> <laughs> I, what's crazy is like I did not. I've never thought of like the scientist functionality in Flipper, but that makes total sense. Like it uh, seems similar yeah. to me. I think I owe you a percentage of the company now. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, <laughs> the first one's free. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I got to put a plug in for a scientist. We recently used that because we were upgrading our Elasticsearch cluster from six to seven. Mm-hmm. And so we spun up oh. a new cluster, filled it with data, and then we're like, okay, let's see how does it work compared to our old cluster. I didn't realize and we used scientists for that. That's cool. Yeah, it's nice. great. So it really helped me like realize, oh, okay, I won't blow up the world if I deploy this new thing. So yeah. it's quite nice. Yeah. And the key thing with that is that I love having the AB execution and like deciding whether or not to run the B and like 
And that's, it, it, that was even what I, I see that as like, it's more like, you know, A to B down rather than A or B. It's like, we're always going to return A, but sometimes we'll do this other one, you know, like, and that's, I mean, it, I remember using that yeah. so much. I mean, it's really valuable. So, and it, hooking it up to like the biggest thing I missed from GitHub, but honestly was back when we, we still had like uh stats D and graphite and like, and like, you know, metrics, whatever, some magic that uh, all the smarter people made internally just for us or whatever that I missed that. I mean, you could just throw anything in, in stats D that you wanted and you never had to think about, you know, it was great. I, now that I'm outside, I'm like, I just want to click a button and just have that be like on a thing, but not have to worry about, do I have a hundred metrics or 200 metrics or 300? Like, I just want, if it fills up the disc, I'll just delete the disc and start over. It's fine. Like I just want to click a button yeah. and have it appear so I can just send scientist stats and all that. We, we love that. We, so we, we use stats D and send it out to Labrado. Oh, and nice. Yeah. It's wonderful. Like I don't have to care. I just pay whatever per month and they keep track of all this stuff metric and I can make, make nice little charts whenever I want on demand. And it's, it's great. I need to check that out in more in more detail. I haven't looked at Librato. I think they've much. rolled that up now. I don't think they actually sell Librato separately, but. Oh, okay. Maybe that's, I don't know to check that out, but yeah, it's cool stuff. Well, yeah. So, you know, if, if, uh, if Josh just gave you, you know, huge, huge business opportunity there, then yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> Wait for that check in the mail. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just don't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, thanks so much for joining us. This has been awesome. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of fun. fun. Yeah, this is great. So for everyone who wants to keep track of you, uh, what's what's the best way? Twitter, your website? What, what do you like? Yeah, either either one of those. Like, I mean, anything I put on my website, I'll eventually put on Twitter too. So uh, either one of them is, <laughs> right. is fine. And I am now a proud ghost user, paying paying ghost user, so... Nice. Cool. What's your Twitter okay. handle, by the way? It's uh, at J Nunemaker, uh, which most likely you can't spell, but that's what the show notes are for. <laughs> yeah, we'll right. put it in the show we'll notes. Drop in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, John, and uh, hope best of luck to you with Flipper Cloud. I'm I'm going to go check it out again, and maybe we'll switch and roll out today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you need somebody to pair with, you know where to go. All right. Sounds good. Nice. Thanks. This has been an episode of Founder Quest. If you want to write for the blog, I have to plug that for Star. You know where to go because you've heard the podcast outro so many times by now. If you want to check out John, we'll have some links in the show notes to his Twitter and his blog and Flipper Clown. And uh, if you want to do some work for Honey Badger, Josh has been hiring like crazy. Yeah, and uh, still got some a whole more. bunch of contractors. Kevin, Kevin said in, in Slack the other day, he's like, "Yeah, they're like Pokemon. Got to collect, collect, <laughs> collect them all." Got <laughs> done. Um, <laughs> Thanks so much for listening and uh, hope you all have a great day. Founder Quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360 degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week. <laughs>